Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group, where we believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help businesses like yours get the most out of your biggest investment, your people. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. How you doing, Al? I'm doing well today, Rob. Looking forward to the day. It's a beautiful day here in Oakville, but uh, we've got an exciting day planned too with a bunch of uh, recordings, so it's going to be good. Yeah, nice day uh, for sure. Temperatures getting up to uh, 23 I here, so I'm going to take advantage of that and enjoy as much as I can. But here we are in the end of October. What's the verdict, Al? Are your kids going out for Halloween this year? Well, my kids are getting a little past that age, quite honestly, so I'm not sure that they would be going out anyway. But I feel bad for the people who might want to get out there, the kids that might want to get out there, and sounds like that might be a challenge this year. But that's par for the course, it seems like, everything this year. Yeah, for sure. And it's always fun to see the little kitties out and all dressed up. So yeah, this is going to be an interesting year. So maybe parents can just go out and buy the, <laughs> the box of candy this year. And hopefully that'll, uh, that'll uh, settle everyone. All right, let's get started. Because Al mentioned we do have a great show today. Al and I have known today's guests for many years now. And what's cool, we've known them even before they launched their very successful market research firm in Toronto. They recently appeared in the Globe and Mail Top 400 Report for Canada's Top Growing Companies 2020. Welcome to the show, co-founders at Dig Insights, Ian Ash and Paul Gadet. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Ian, uh, this must be old hat for you by now. You've been on our show a few times, and I know you've been doing a very successful video series because uh, I always see it on LinkedIn, and uh, you've got some interesting guests yourself. So welcome back, and Paul, for the first time having you on. So really great to see you here because I know we've had some great conversations in the past. Before I get into kind of some of the questions that we had for you, just as a refresher, I know a lot of people who listened to the last podcast with you, uh, Ian, would know who Dig Insights is, but maybe I'll throw it over to Paul. Who and what is Dig Insights? So Dig Insights is a now 10-year-old market research company based in Toronto. Market research in terms of consultancy, but also a technology company. So We have two aspects of our business, the consultancy side with traditional market research caters to a lot of the Fortune 500 type clients, and then also a technology side, which is our own proprietary platform that we've actually launched as a SaaS offering late last year. So two sides of our business. We're about 100 people in Toronto. We've got offices in Chicago and consultants in Vancouver, UK, and Taiwan. So starting our expansion, but that's us right now, who we are. Like I said, it's been phenomenal to watch you guys grow over the years, and we're excited about where you're going. I referenced in the intro that you were listed recently in the Globe and Mail, top growing Canadian companies for a second year in a row, and have experienced tremendous growth. Yeah. Paul, what are some of the things that have led to that growth? Yeah, and it was an honor being actually even on that list of some pretty incredible companies that are part of that Globe and Mail list. And in fact, we also were on another list for a Canadian business for the fourth year in a row for a top 500 growing companies. A lot of that, you know, growth, I think has been attributed to, I'd say three things. And Ian, feel free to, you know, let, let me know if you have anything to add to that too. 
first and foremost, I'd say is the quality of our work. I mean, we since the beginning of that we've started, we've been very committed to our clients and the work that we do. And that work has just excelled over the course of the years that we've been in business. And then further to that, it's really been around the people that we've been able to hire. So we've been able to hire some really incredibly talented people who we've been able to trust to deliver that quality of work. That's also allowed us to kind of take on different roles in the organization as well, to focus more on the business as we step away from delivering actual client level work. So the people that we've hired are tremendous. We have a fantastic team, and that's really allowed us to really build up that side of the business. And then I think the third thing I'd say is just our commitment to reinvesting into the company. So Back in 2015, I think we made a strategic decision to really invest in technology. This is where the industry was going. We decided that we were going to reinvest a lot of our profits into back into the company. We've done so ever since. And that's allowed us to really open up that tech side of the business that I was mentioning before. And that's where we've seen some significant growth. So we really, the people, the quality, and our commitment to reinvesting in the business, I think are the three things that I'd say have contributed to our tremendous growth over the last 10 years. You've got a commitment to your customers, obviously, but you talked about the quality of people uh, that you have uh, at your firm. And of course, I've been pre-COVID times. I was down to your office many times and I've met many of those people. And I would echo that uh, sentiment. You know, it's interesting over the 20 odd years that I've been in this business, you can walk around and get a feel for culture very quickly. And that's one of the things that I really noticed with your firm. You walk in and it was very evident. It was a very positive culture. And a very collaborative culture as well, which is, you know, sometimes unique these days because everyone, especially especially now, we're working in silos a little bit. So, but it was interesting to see that. And you can see why a company like yours has had that growth. So kudos to you guys. The only thing I'd add there probably is that we're real snappy dressers too. I think you'll notice Paul, <laughs> I think he has two buttons undone and my shirt has pineapples on it. So you can't understate the importance of that potentially to our long-term Very surprise. true, very true. Yeah, that is the fourth point on that, fourth on that point. question. Fourth <laughs> point. Snappy dressers. Perfect. <laughs> so Robin mentioned that way back when, when you guys were starting out, we actually sat down and talked. It was still an idea for you to start that business. So going back, my question is around going back to that time when you were starting out, maybe, and you can, you can address this. If you were looking back now, is there anything that you wish you had known at the time that you know now that maybe would have changed things? Oh my God, I wish we'd maybe anything. I think we, if we'd known anything. The list is too, but, the list is too long? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the funny part is, and, and, and I've said this before, but, and, and so have a lot of people, but a lot of people will say, one of the things that when you start a business, your naivete is almost like your best weapon. Right. Because you have no idea what you're in for. You, did, you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't have gone into it. We would have been terrified had we yeah. known what we were gonna have to go through and what, how difficult this would have been. But thankfully we did it anyways. I think the one thing that a lot of people do when they start a business is they come up with a very concrete plan, which is a good thing, and I know investors want it and everything. But I think the one piece of advice, you know, we were actually just yesterday, to digress slightly, we were saying, had we known that COVID was gonna happen, what would we have done differently? And we couldn't actually name a lot of things we would have proactively done pre-COVID, except for taking all the money out and shorting Air Canada or something. But yeah, <laughs> we couldn't really think of a ton of things that we would have necessarily done differently. We think we actually handled it as well as we could. And then we said, well, what if we could go back to the beginning of DIG? Well, there's a million things we would have done differently. But the reality is we pivoted quickly time and time again. And I think that would be the piece of advice that I'd give to somebody if they were starting a business would be, don't expect that it's going to go to plan. Always have a plan B, have a plan C, and be ready to pivot completely. The only plan that you should have is 
you're going to stick with this thing no matter what. You're going down with the ship because if you're not prepared to pivot and you're not prepared to take the big risks that it takes to make those types of pivots, then a lot of people will bail. But the reality is nothing goes to plan and you need to change your plans constantly. I think that's one thing that we've done really well. And thankfully, I went into business with really good friends like Paul, who we trusted each other enough to make those changes that quickly. Right. Uh, And I think that made all the difference. Anything to throw in there, Paul? Exactly to Ian's point. The reality is that a lot of times entrepreneurs will start a business based on a product or an offering that they have that they think will be successful and that people will buy. And we kind of went in thinking the same thing, but we really listened to what our customers were wanting. So, you know, we pivoted, as Ian was mentioning, to do really different types of analytics and, you know, modeling and sophisticated type of things because our clients were asking about these things and we knew we could try to deliver on them. So we pivoted quite a bit throughout our last 10 years, but basically in response to the needs of our customers, as opposed to trying to force something onto them which uh, I think is sometimes a mistake that uh, entrepreneurs have when they first start out. Right. We talked about your growth. You guys have grown tremendously from the beginning. As you have grown and the company's gotten bigger and bigger, and it's done so, you know, basically since you guys started out, it just keeps growing. Would you say that things are getting easier and more challenging now or most of the challenges at the very beginning and now things are actually getting easier? What, what, what would be your, your response to that? I think the challenges are different depending on your personality It's either getting easier or it's getting harder. Personally, I I find it's getting harder, to be honest, because at the beginning, the challenge is that you kind of need to be a jack of all trades and you need to jump in on whatever needs to be done. We used to have a saying like, we will do whatever it takes to keep the business going. I mean, our first office was one room down on Queen Street and Paul actually used to take the dishes home at the end of the night in a large Tupperware container. There was no sink. You know, if you have that kind of attitude, if you have that kind of like, we will all jump in and do whatever needs to be done to keep this thing going, then some people see that as a challenge and some people see that as refreshing. Personally, I found that was nice. I loved that attitude of we all jump in and do whatever it takes. And Paul was doing the accounting and I was doing all of the analytics. And, you know, we were all doing whatever it took, regardless of if we were a specialist in that role. As you grow and the complexity increases, and the number of people increase, the dollars, obviously, you know, both revenues and costs go up significantly. You need to begin to specialize more and you need to begin to bring in specialists for different roles because the complexity of that single role is now so much larger. And that is a whole different host of challenges. Sometimes it's hard to give up the reins a little bit on things. And I think that's definitely a challenge. I've found it, it's, it's gotten harder, not easier. What about you, Paul? I agree. I think to Ian's point about just even trusting other people who are experts in their field, but to take on such big responsibilities and enabling them to do what they're hired to do, HR, you know, having a CFO, aspects of the company that you know used to be very involved with, but now you have to release and, and give those jobs to somebody else who are experts in those. Taking yourself out of that entrepreneurial mindset of I do everything and now I'm actually going to hire people to actually do that and help the business grow as because you just can't actually do all those things yourself. There's a couple aspects of one, there's getting bigger and the the challenges that come with getting bigger. And Ian you know, alluded to a lot of those things, but even just logistically, like financially, government stuff, there's a whole host of things that you just don't realize that after you get to a certain size that you're now responsible for. And you now have to think about different things. It's not the norm of the stuff that you went into the business with 
and your expertise going into the business. Now there's a whole host of other things that you need to consider, taxes and all, all kinds of stuff that for the normal person is just so much that you just don't even think about. The other thing is just even not even just getting bigger, but the longer you're in business, just even staying competitive because you know the longer you're in business, you can't just keep doing the same thing. Now you have to actually, as you mentioned before, pivot and change and, and respond to the challenges that, that your customers are facing. So yeah, there's a whole host of different challenges as you grow and as you become bigger, um, even just the longer you stay in business. I'm sure that any company out there that's listening, anyone that's listening that uh, is trying to grow their business, they're going to come across some of these same hurdles that you just described. So I mean, when we set up payroll with you guys, you know, our benefits, like all those things that we were like, now we have to have employees who need benefits. How do we do that? Luckily, we had some good connections that you guys were able to help us out with. But for any small business that's starting and starting to hire a workforce, these are all things that, yeah, I just, I'm glad we had connections because it's even hard just to find out who to actually go to for those things. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back, Paul, to one of your earlier comments about trust among your partners. And I think we're very similar in our firms that we came in as friends with both of our firms and that trust is there. And it's very easy for me to, you know, if I'm on vacation and something needs to be decided, I have full faith in Al and Joe can make those decisions. And it's been very comfortable for many years making those decisions. But as we grow and we start to realize, oh my God, we can't do everything anymore. I think you related a very common challenge with business owners about bringing in other people that maybe you haven't known for 15 or 20 years and you haven't worked with them in the past, but they come with expertise and you've got to relinquish that control to allow you to continue to drive the business forward. So I think other people are going to relate to hearing that. The other one uh, point I wanted to go back to before we move on to the next question is you talked about part of your success was listening to your customers and maybe pivoting. And you had made a comment around you found out what they wanted from you and delivered on that. How did you go about doing that? Would you have phone calls with your clients? Did you do surveys? How did you solicit that advice or insight from your customers? At the beginning, we started off as a consultancy. So we didn't have any actual technology that we had invested in the time. So a lot of the stuff that we were doing was working with our customers, trying to understand their complex business problems and figuring out an approach to actually solve those. So all the stuff that we do on the consultant side is a custom approach to solving their their business questions. So in actually understanding what their business questions are and their challenges, they would also then say, you know, these are some of the things that our colleagues are doing or our global offices involved with or that we're exploring are you guys able to actually help figure out a solution for that because either they don't like the can methodology that someone else is using or they they want to work with us because we have a great relationship so a lot of it was just ear to the ground what are people doing what kind of companies are they working with what are those services that other people are offering and really what's the thing that companies are now starting to really kind of focus on in market research so Market research has really evolved from this idea of just asking people questions about how likely would you be to buy something and really much more focused on, okay, if I'm going to do something, how is the consumer going to respond? What's the behavior attached to that? And so we really focused more on that aspect of it because our clients were really trying to understand if I make a change, what's the actual impact to the business? We went more towards that aspect of it because our clients were actually talking about it and coming to us with those business challenges and we were figuring out a solution to actually address those. All right. So Paul and Ian, you're both talking a little bit about some of the challenges as you got bigger. One of the things you said was you really needed to trust people more and be able to come up with their roles and step away. How has that affected some of the changes directly with what you guys have been doing? Can you talk a little bit about that? 
I think it's a it's a great question and it's a great challenge. We've actually just recently started to address this challenge of where the four of us just can't be responsible for everything and to better define our role. So not only have we hired a new CFO, we've hired a head of HR, we've actually better defined the four of our roles within the organization so that we can enable us to even grow. So we have a technology side, as I mentioned before, Ian is now president of Upside, so president of our technology side of the business. We have the consultancy side, Dominic Atkinson, who is another one of our partners, is now president of the consulting side. Michael Edwards, who is, again, another one of our partners, is the chief growth officer. So really be responsible for that innovation and growth across both sides of the business. And then my new role will be the CEO. So overlooking kind of the full organization and making sure that we're trying to hit some of those metrics that we shoot out for. So even just our roles have even evolved. And that's, you know, as you get bigger, you need to actually better define some of those roles so that you can even still continue to grow. And this we're hoping will allow us to even take it to that next level. Anything to add on that, Ian? No, I think you make an important point. I mean, we've had to definitely structure. We've had to add more structure. As you get bigger, you need to structure. And that includes what your own roles are so that decisions are still made quickly. Yeah. And I mean, this is very foreign to us as a company, as you know, Robin mentioned before, in terms of our culture, highly collaborative, very flat organization. But as you start getting bigger, you naturally have to try to figure out what your role is going to be inside of that organization and to give it some sort of title and so that we can make some of those decisions going forward more effectively. So even though we are still a very collaborative, very flat organization, the structure we think will help us to actually achieve that growth for the next five years. Ian, I think I'll direct our last question to you first. I'd actually like to hear from both of you. Toronto is a major hub for startups. I find it's a great place for entrepreneurs. There's lots of resources for entrepreneurs in Toronto, of course. What's the one piece of advice you would give someone just starting a new business? And I'll direct this to Ian first. I think I'd go back to the beginning of this interview. I think the one piece of advice I would have would be it's good to have a plan, but always have a plan B, always have a plan C, almost have a plan Z, like be ready to pivot the minute that you know that what you're doing isn't the right thing or that you need to make a dramatic change to what you're doing, be ready to do that. Because if you become too married to the direction that you set out ahead of time, I don't think that you're going to be able to grow quickly and keep up. So I, I I had this question beforehand and I actually, you know, two minutes before this interview, I was like, oh my God, I should probably have an answer. And, you know, having a plan, I think is exactly what I wrote down, have a plan. And it doesn't even have to be like a really solid plan. It just has to be some sort of direction or focus that allows you to say, okay, and Ian and I and our two other partners put together five-year plans all the time to see basically our growth rate, you know, how many people would we need to hire to achieve certain uh, metrics and at least it gives us some focus to say, okay, if, you know, we think that we're going to be 20 million by 2020. That was a goal, but way back then, then that was, you know, how are we going to get to there? Having that plan, even if the strategy changes, at least having a plan in place to begin with allows you just to focus and steer the ship. And if you have to go off course, you go off course, but at least you have something to start with. I'm just thinking about that having a plan and how many people I've encountered over the years. And when I'm introducing Al for financial planning or estate planning issues, and I'll say to someone, you know, what's your plan? Show us your plan. And they'll pull out something. Well, here's my RSP. I say, okay, that's a great product, but where's your plan? When this happens, here's exactly what I want to happen. And it's funny, people don't realize until you show it to them and say, 
oh, geez, actually, how am I going to get there? Because I don't have a plan. And to Ian's point, you've got to have contingency plans in there, whether it's for your business or on a personal basis. So I think that's really great insight. Like I said at the beginning, it's been really cool to see where you guys have come from because even before you started your company, I remember you guys coming into our boardroom at the time and sharing your idea for the business. And it's been really cool to watch you guys grow and continue to grow. So really kudos on all your success. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. And thanks for sharing your story. I think you provided some really interesting insights. See what I did there? Dig insights. Anyway, that's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions for either of you or about your firm, Dig Insights. Ian's a social media influencer, so you can find him online through any type of uh, social media platform. Go to Dig Insights, so www.diginsights.com is our corporate page that will also link to our technology page called Upside, U-P-S-I-I-D-E.com. And then also you can just get in touch with us through LinkedIn. So Ian and myself, uh, both active on LinkedIn. Ian, do you want to just talk about how yeah, awesome? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. And because, you know, I'm not just an influencer, I'm a fashion influencer. Thank you very much. <laughs> I uh, originally was actually going to wear a shirt that had like palm trees on it today. And I decided on pineapples, but you'll see it online. <laughs> Very good, gentlemen. All right, that does it for today's episode, folks. I really enjoyed this conversation. Like always, I learned something new. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or we're joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, folks. And remember, it all starts with one.